Are you looking for that next great read? Well, I've got you because I wrote it. Head on over to Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com and order yourself a copy of my book, I'd Rather Talk to Dead People, where I tell you the ins and the outs of my paranormal journey thus far. If you've watched the TV show Oddity Files on Amazon Prime or YouTube, this is the perfect companion piece to give you an inside look on what was going on inside my head during my most prominent investigations to date. Again, Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. Just search I'd Rather Talk to Dead People by Kitsy Duncan. Thank you. Oddity Files. All things creepy, cryptic, otherworldly. The perfect hole. Or the, like, not the, the <laughs> WH, the perfect hole. Well, you know, the listeners missed our size talk, so. <laughs> it's what's, it's Happy the after Friday! Hours. Happy Friday for the first time. Ever. Ever. Recording on a Friday. <laughs> yep. Here we are. This is, this is what you get. Congra- congratulations exactly. and you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I just woke up from know. a nap. And then grab some grub, and life is good. Um, Nick and I just recorded go. two days ago, so there's not a whole lot of banter that's going to happen, kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't really have anything. Tuesday was what? Three days ago? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got nothing. I've cool. got nothing. Um. I did write down a couple show notes, mm. and then, you know, we can always talk about The Conjuring House being for sale, so. <laughs> when in doubt, just talk about, we'll talk about it in a second. Yes. But, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, Kane Hodder has a new Paradox coming out. Mm. Uh, it's on pre-order. Um, it's called Balsam, A Paranormal Investigation. For those of you that don't know, Kane Hodder is... One of the original um, stuntmen who played, give me, I get Michael Jason. Myers and Jason Voorhees mixed up. Jason Voorhees yeah. in the uh, Friday the 13th series. Known him for years. Known he's been a paranormal investigator for years. Actually, the my very first solo investigation without um, the team that I had uh, kind of glommed onto before I started my own thing, um, was in Virginia at the Ferry Plantation. And Kane, and it, I was there for a convention, and Kane was there. And there was like a building across the street from the hotel where the convention was at. We actually had a few drinks and talked about breaking into. But we did not, people. We did not. That's all that matters. Yeah, he's, he's great. Uh, he's also... For, I think it was like a Kickstarter project, but he has a documentary about his his own personal story, and it's fantastic. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah, um, but it, he's like one of the people where you look it up, you look up his history, his past, and and everything he's been in, and stunt performed in, and all, and it's just uh, it, it'll it'll surprise you. Like my favorite is he's in he's Victor Crowley in all the Hatchet movies, the Adam Green. Yeah, hatchet films, and so that when I first met him, I was like, "Oh my God, you're so great as Victor Crowley! This is amazing." Um, oh. It's a little something for everybody, but yeah, he's he's a good he's a good guy. He really is. He's genuine. He's humble. I mean, I moderated one of his panels once. Uh, he he and Robert England both, and it was just a joy. Like of of all of the panels that I had moderated back in the day. That was one because it was over Halloween weekend, and it was, it was just so cool that I could geek out um, with both of them because Robert England's very theater background, very theatrical, and Kane oh. Hodder is like stunt guy who's worked on everything Gives you can imagine. No Fox, yeah, he will he's tell you one everything. Yep, 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 yep. He nothing is held back. Not that I'm saying Robert holds anything back. He does. When he Robert does. tells a story, he tells a fucking story, and. Yep. I, 
they are they are two completely different human beings, but on the same level, and I adore them both very, very much. But the funny thing about this movie that's on pre-order is it's going to be on DVD. Does anybody own a DVD player anymore? Is there not like a digital pre-order of it? Just a DVD pre-order. Hmm, interesting. I know that that's, I think, I think a lot of these on-demand services and stuff, especially if he's going through that, like, there has to be physical media. You can't provide a digital copy of something. I think there's like fine print rules that if you do something where you're collecting money or crowdsourcing or doing anything remotely close to that, you have to deliver. The deliverable has to be physical. It can't be digital. So that could be. Oh, okay. Could be. Could be. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm super excited to check, to check it out. My friend Aaron had sent me the link to it this morning and uh, he is part of a paranormal group of Hollywood stuntmen, which is pretty fucking cool. Where's that TV show? Can someone give Kane Hodder and his crew a, a show on Discovery Plus? I mean, he's been on uh, Ghost Adventures, but they don't have their own thing. So oh, I think I there's like that. Leatherface. There's Kane. I can't remember the guy who plays Leatherface's name. And and one other the you know iconic horror uh, stuntmen. Our paranormal investigators. So why is that not a show? Cool. Like it just seems like the easiest, most tangible thing. And probably their schedules. It, yeah, I imagine like shooting. But if you, I mean, if they shot, you know, ten episodes or whatever, and shot it in like ten episodes in two weeks, and then that was it, and then just turn it over to the editors, half hour episodes, easy. Yeah, for sure. Come on, Discovery sure. Plus. Pick up the phone. I'd watch it. I'd <laughs> legit watch it. Um, I did do need to plug the October 16th event here in Indianapolis for Paranormal Crossroad. We are doing another live taping for the show. So by being there, not only do you get to hang out with myself, KJ, and Tiffany, but you get to be there for a little like the first sneak peek of an episode. So we're going to have some people in that we had uh, filmed at a farmhouse. Mm -hmm. Actually, one of the ladies I went to high school with. Wow. Which is very cool. And I hadn't seen her since high school till she showed up at this location. And uh, we're going to talk to them about what's changed, things like that. And then Tiff's going to come in and do her reading with them both. Mm. So I'm very excited about that. All kinds of things, including elementals, came through on this investigation, which was pretty exciting. Wow. Um, so that is October 16th. Go to pxroad.com to get your tickets. There is a VIP upgrade that is sponsored by Small Batch Soups. She's going to put together a whole spooky little spread deal for the VIP members in this nice. amazing... We went back to the Athenaeum this week, and it's in this amazing VIP room where you have a a view of the beer garden, which I'm sure will be oh, hopping. Yeah. It's October, and it's, ger- it's a German uh, restaurant that the beer garden is attached to there. So it'll be a really good time. Sounds like a great time. Yeah, and then Tiff will do a gallery reading, and then uh, KJ and I are going to try to do our own little thing and, and bring the the odd box in and try to see if we can get people's family members to come through in a group setting. So knock on fucking wood. <laughs> it works. I'm terrified. I'm out of my comfort zone. I know it will because I know we bring it with us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I'm just a little nervous. It's so, going to go great. It's all about intention. That's That's what a lot of the spirit world is it's it's an it's intention and i think that if you have a very aggressive negative intention you're probably not going to have anything happen true but true and i am hopeful and i will i will manifest the shit out of that you will because you you carry you carry (laughs) that with you that's the energy that you and you and kj carry so i think that it's going to happen because that's what you bring to the table I'm blushing. (laughs) And then, look at me changing the subject because I can't take a compliment. (laughs) On October 9th, so that's the weekend prior to that event, KJ and I will be at German Fest with a booth at the Athenaeum. So all kinds of fun stuff going on. We're, like we mentioned last week, we were on the cover cover of Geist magazine here in Indiana. 
in the Women in Business edition. It's not edition. Issue. That's a word I keep forgetting. <laughs> and we're super excited. I mean, thing. it's October. It's spooky season. So, you know, everybody wants to talk about something spooky. And I can't wait to do it. So, I mean, it's not like I don't do it all year long with you. Yeah. Also, it's crazy that we said that it was Friday today, but we have yet to acknowledge that it's October 1st. Oh, shit. Happy official first day of spooky season for the rest of the world. Yeah. And the rest of the year. Like, even yeah. into... That's the thing. You have the Nightmare Before Christmas that extends spooky season through Thanksgiving, through Christmas, and then the new year starts. And if you want to take it with you, sure. Yeah, January can be spooky Absolutely. season, too. I mean, it is for me. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. You see how I live, so... <laughs> All of the time. Yeah, it's I'll all take of it. the time. Yeah. So that was the stuff that was on my list. I did finish Lucifer. Mm. It was it was beautifully done. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of Tom Ellis. I'm not going to lie. I, I met the man before I knew anything about Lucifer. Give me this. <laughs> and he did not look anything like Lucifer. He was in like a T-shirt, had a ball cap on backwards. I'm like, who's this really tall guy I'm shooting? I don't know. Let's just shoot. But he was fun. He was a blast. So I actually got a, an awkward prom photo with him before I even know who the fuck he was um, <laughs> because I liked him. And then he played Lucifer and I'm like, oh, fucking swoon. Okay, mm -hmm. bring it. Take that shirt off again, sir. Please and thank you. <laughs> did he take Did he take his shirt off in photo ops? No. Oh, okay. But I was Lucifer, say. he does quite a Oh, on Lucifer. Okay, I was going to say. Those are two very different things, but, I mean, to each their own, I guess. I mean, if I would not say no. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Put that shirt back on and then take it off I again. would not pull that card again. Yeah, but slower this time, But Tom. slower, just, yes. Just a little slower. Stop, stop right there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Continue. Nope, slow it down. It's slow. October Sorry. 1st. <laughs> I do want to say I've had a couple people who listen to the podcast reach out uh, and they took the recommendation of watching The Green Knight, which is a, a scary thing to... I talk about a lot, but I'm cautious to recommend it. And uh, I've gotten some uh, good responses back that they really enjoyed okay. it. And so that makes me happy. Yay. Yeah, I'm glad. See? I'm very, Look very glad. Look at the good you do. I'm trying. I, I mean, it's all we can do. The award it's season's around the corner. I got to get people talking about it. I know. You've slacked for the last couple episodes. So. I know. I'm surprised I didn't throw something in for that best of celebrity stories. And don't forget to check out The Green Knight. It's available in my digital. Voice. Yeah, it's, <laughs> exactly. it's funny today. So everything that they've the, the production company has released, so they did like... Uh, like a D&D &D game that I have up there. So it's like a Green Knight Dungeons and Dragons game that's the green okay. right there. And they did shirts with this like designer company in LA that I acquired and I have the two copies of the poster and they did a vinyl pre-order which I pre-ordered the, the score on vinyl and they did a book and I have the book. And so I've been like collecting all these things obsessively. And today... Because it's like, you know, like the whole Pokemon thing. Like, I got to have them all. Like, I just have yeah. to. And today they announced a limited edition uh, replica of the sword that he doesn't really use that much in the movie. Um, and they made 115 of them. And it was $450. And I was like, you win. You win this one. Because <laughs> I'm just like... I'm not going to buy so that. I'm just going to pull that right out of savings, and here you go. I can't. I just cannot say no. No. It was, that was the one that I was like, if it were the axe, I would have been doing the four month four monthly payment installments, and it would be here, and it would be on display. But for a sword, I'll wait. Oh, you didn't get it. I thought you said you did. No way. And if I did, I wouldn't uh. announce it on this podcast, because that's a lot of money. <laughs> No, that is a lot of money. And I was like, shit, the tour must have been really good for you. <laughs> I wouldn't admit it. It would be one of those things because it like ships in December. So it'd be one of those things where if someone's like, oh, you got the sword for the people who actually like, give a shit. And then I'd be like, oh, no, it was a gift. Yeah. <laughs> like I wouldn't admit it. But I did, not, I did not buy it. 
Uh, I stared at it for a very long time today, but I did not buy it, unfortunately. Well, I'm proud of you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but you know the axe is going to be next. If Again, if that is next, I will acquire <laughs> that, hands down, but... Afterpay! Exactly. PayPal credit or afterpay, and I'd pay it off for the rest of my life, but that's okay. I love it. I love it. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't really collect anything, um, except, you know, oddities, but it's just like, I was I gonna say, I'm like, look behind you, oh, 20 bucks, <laughs> but it's, it's not like I have to get it at the day it's released. I find it in an antique mall or sometimes eBay gets a little sketchy. Um, and I get a little excited as I'm putting bids down, but <laughs> never $450. It's. It's a bit, but like I love collecting the Bigfoot stuff because it's always like very much so the oddities thing where, you know, the the book that Theodore Roosevelt wrote about or the you are frozen. I'm frozen. Am I unfrozen? You're frozen too. We're both frozen. Oh, who the fuck yeah. knows? I can hear you retrograde. clearly. It's mm. retrograde. Mm-hmm. That's the. Pro- I don't even know what we were talking about, Nick. <laughs> I was talking. I was talking about. I'm pretty sure where I left off was I was saying that that's why I love the Bigfoot collectibles and stuff because it is very much like the oddity situation where I see something I'm like oh this is twenty dollars oh this is ten this is eight or fine little things exactly with like the Green Knight stuff it's super cool because it's not like the Avengers where there are a thousand things to collect it's like things are popping up and probably. In a couple months, like we won't see another Green Knight thing again because it's just not in the popular conversation that people are having, unfortunately. Okay, so retrograde fucking hates Nick and I right now. So we're just gonna fucking head it, go ahead and uh, send it over to Jess. So, Jess, hit it. Hey there, oddballs. It's Jess from Miss Fortune on Moody here with your weekly energy forecast. We have some crazy shit going on this weekend, so buckle up. We'll be under the energy of a super rare triple conjunction of the Sun, Mars, and Mercury. What the fuck is a conjunction, you ask? Well, that's a great question, so let's answer it. A conjunction occurs when two or more planets meet up at the same location in the sky, meaning the same degree of the same sign, give or take a couple of degrees on either side. It's not rare for two planets to conjoin each other. In fact, we usually get those types of conjunctions several times a year. It is, however, relatively rare to have three planets meet up at the same location, and that's what we have taking over this weekend. The sequence of events goes like this. First, the Sun conjoins Mars at 15 degrees of Libra. Then, Mercury, who's still retrograde, backs into the Sun, will be at 16 degrees by then. And then, Mercury does the same thing to Mars. So there are three separate aspects perfecting over the course of a couple days, but the net effect is one big surge of energy. What's all this mean? Glad you asked. When the Sun and Mercury meet up for their inferior conjunction, whatever issue the retrograde is supposed to be bringing to your attention gets highlighted. Expect that to happen, but with the added energy of Mars, who will make goddamn sure that you see it this time. Mars is our drives, he's our motivation, and if we aren't putting his energy to good use, he turns into our anger and aggression. The Sun-Mars superior conjunction is an energetic bright spot, You're going to have increased vitality with this aspect around, but, and this is a big old but, Mercury's in there and he's retrograde. This is all likely to manifest as the return to some thought, communication, or transportation issue that you want to act upon right now, but you can't because stupid Mercury isn't going to cooperate. It's got hurry up and wait written all over it and may turn out to be rather frustrating as a result, especially if you have planets on or around 15 degrees of Libra, Aries, Cancer, or Capricorn. Oh, and did I mention that Chiron is opposing this whole mess? Yeah, I won't even go there. To top the weekend off with a big fat cherry, Saturn turns direct at six degrees of Aquarius on Sunday, the 10th. He's been retrograde since May, while he reviewed the energetic area that is covered by six to 13 degrees of Aquarius in your natal chart. Got anything in there? It's been an interesting summer for you then, hasn't it? Saturn is rules, limits, and authorities. He's also the timekeeper, Basically, he sees to it that we tend to our responsibilities. So if you're taking care of business, Saturn's retrogrades don't usually mess with you too heavily. But if you aren't, Saturn will dole out your comeuppance while he's retrograde. If you've been getting your ass handed to you by the universe for the past few months, 
Take that as a hint that your karma needed revamping and get your shit together going forward. Saturn will be camped out between six and seven degrees of Aquarius for the duration of October. If you have anything on or near that point, settle in for an extended lesson in patience. If you're interested in what the stars have to say for you, please check out my website at misfortuneonmoody.com. I offer many different types of astrology and astro tarot readings, and I'm now conducting sound healing sessions for those of you in the Boston area. You can also help support my small business by checking out my shop, where I sell handmade crystal jewelry, candles, and lots of other cool merch. For horoscopes, flash sales, and an intimate look at what a shit show my life is, come find me on social media at misfortune1111. Ciao for now. Okay, we're back. I'm hearing myself in my ears, and that is not pleasant <laughs> because I sound robotic and it hurts. I do have some paranormal in the news that was sent to us by friend of the show. And by friend of the show, I mean Nick and I personally know Laura Richter for years. She had posted this in the Oddity Files fan group on Facebook, which you can find that and all the stuff and all the things at flow.page slash oddity files. But the headline reads, Dave Bake, Central Illinois, man on watch for Bigfoot. Some of you will think Stan Courtney is wasting his time. Others of you will think Stan is onto something. Your reaction depends on how you feel about Bigfoot. Sasquatch, if you prefer. Well, I mean, you could tell this was written for the the squares out there because we all know how we feel on Bigfoot. (laughs) Some of you will think Stan Courtney is, oh, I already said that. Why would they put that twice? Stan is in Central, as Central Illinois' foremost expert on the legendary man beast. Stan's website, stancourtney.com, contains an exhaustive record of Illinois Bigfoot reports dating from 2009 all the way back to 1883. Holy shit. Daniel K., I feel like this story was written for you since you are a Bigfoot fanatic and you live in the uh, the Illinois state over there. <laughs> By dare, don't you know. For 35 years, Stan lived in Pawnee and worked at St. John's Hospital in Springfield. He has retired. Well, all he'll say is that it's south of Springfield. Do you think there's like Bigfoot groupie bigfoot hunter groupies out there and that's why he won't say where he lives me thinks yes i think so too (laughs) he says i don't want another reason i don't want other researchers invading my territory he explains okay that makes a little more sense there isn't much chance of that since bigfoot researchers appear to be on the sparse side but that as it may stan says his bigfoot interest began when he was a boy in his native Idaho. I heard stories, read newspaper articles when I was a kid about him, Stan says. I had relatives who had contact and had seen him. It's in your blood at that point. Since then, Stan's interest has grown into an avocation. Stan has spent nights out in the woods listening and recording weird, unexplained sounds. You can hear them for yourself at his website, along with more conventional outdoor recordings. So, Daniel, you've got, you know, some a kindred spirit out in Illinois with you. This comes from the State Journal Register, and it was posted back in May 2010. Wow, I bet he's captured Bigfoot and has autopsied him at this point. I don't know. <laughs> Can we talk more about Bigfoot hunting groupies? Because that sounds like fun. I would love, I mean, I personally, I wouldn't use it because I'm a taken man, but I would love like a cryptid Tinder. Ooh, yeah. Where it's just like... <laughs> people meeting each other over their interest in cryptids and like paranormal it's like you check the box do you believe in mothman yes do you believe in um nessie no so that's the algorithm swipe left yeah get the hell out of (laughs) here yes why is that not a thing oh my gosh i love it um add it to the list of things that we have to make that will that will make us millions along with our university our yes. cryptid paranormal dating app yes. uh, your second book that you're gonna write <laughs> um 
True. There's a shit. I forgot all about that. <laughs> That's oh, what we're here Lord. to do. I, I do feel like retrograde is smiling on us right now because I feel like I'm getting you live and in person again. So yay. Um, oh. But just in case, because I know you're going back out on the tour again and you got to pack. So let's get started on our stories. Let's just fucking do it. It is your turn to go first. You've exposed me. You just told everyone that I, I leave tomorrow and I, I haven't packed yet. <laughs> Well, that's, I feel exposed. Isn't that the way everybody travels? It's the only listen. It's the only way to pack. If you are going on any trip, I don't care if it's for two days. I don't care if it's for twelve days. I don't care if it's for three months. Always pack the night before you leave because you have no time to second guess how much you're packing, what you're bringing. You show up in the outfits that you've packed and you deal with it. And he never told me that he wasn't packed yet. I just assumed he lived the convention life for so long. He's like me and doesn't pack till either two hours before the flight or the night before. Oh, I don't do anything. Like for the people on Patreon who watched this on Tuesday versus now, I haven't even trimmed the beard for the trip. Uh, that has to be done tonight. I'm going to catch up on Ted Lasso tonight and I'm going to pack tonight and I have to go grocery shopping. So, Oh, shit. Well, Oh, it's just better. It's like adrenaline kicks in when you just wait until the last minute. <laughs> True? Question mark? Okay. It is that It is that life. <laughs> it is legit that life. Okay, uh, so tell me a story. So as I, as I said on Tuesday, I was working on, there was a book that was being written, and I was trying to kind of formulate that into a story, and it's taking longer than I thought. I need the book to come out so I can get more information. Um, so I found this nice neat short little story in one of both yours and my favorite places uh new orleans and this is something that i hadn't heard about and when i discovered it today i had to talk about it because it's very interesting so it's a again this is like a much longer story there's a lot of different versions of this story there's a lot of different uh historical accuracies and inaccuracies to the story, but this is specifically just a quick rundown of an overview of these things. Okay. (laughs) So today we're going to talk about the Grunch, uh, which are native to New Orleans. Are they like a Grinch? (laughs) Yes. It's very, it's often described as a Grinch, uh, Oh, for serious? Thing. <laughs> oh, get out! Yay! Look, I guessed right! <laughs> you did. I'm a psychic. In fact, where I'm pulling this from, which is xemplore.com, they have a picture of the Grinch as, oh, I love it. <laughs> as the header of this. Uh, so the Grinch is a New Orleans-based urban legend closely related to the Chupacabra. Back when New Orleans was first developing the eastern suburbs, there existed an old road barely known of by most residents of the area. This road was long and narrow and led off into the deep thicket of woods surrounding the area, eventually coming to a dead end. According to legend, there was a strange group of humans living in these woods that were a strange mix of albinos and dwarfs forced to live away from society during a time when people who were thought of as different were considered creations of the devil. So they they only chose the different people were albinos and dwarfs out of all the different <laughs> versions of people being different out there. And they yep. had to start their own community. Okay, gotcha. Yep. <laughs> so because of humanity's cruel nature, these people became a sort of sideshow for teenagers and immature adults. Oh, God. Sad. Uh, The locals claimed that their seclusion in the woods had caused people to interbreed and combine their abnormalities to eventually become almost inhuman in appearance. That doesn't even sound like that's real life. But go ahead. It sounds fictional, but also it sounds like almost like a thing that would happen. How long? Here's my question. How long would inbreeding have to go on before you get a grunge? I mean, I've watched uh, Game of Thrones. There's a lot of inbreeding going on in most castles. That's a very right? good question. <laughs> I just always think of the story that 
that we talked about, I think on one of the the very first episodes that that you invited me onto this podcast about um, the historical finding of a Bigfoot, a female Bigfoot who was captured and then kept in the village and people got curious and did things with this creature that no one had seen or knew was even a thing. And so I think that human curiosity can get real weird. And so the fact that eventually like these people who were treating these different looking people as like a freak show, eventually there probably was some curiosity that caused interbreeding to happen. Yeah. We could be. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. So, uh, that was a legit point, question. How much? How long do you have to inbreed before you end up with a grunge? So tweet at a bitch. Go ahead. <laughs> at, the, at this point in time, the end of that long road, then labeled Grunch Road, was considered nothing but a freak show and occasionally a makeout spot for desperate teens who may not have believed the legends, that is, until people started to disappear. Which is pretty crazy the dog's timing was that barking was timed perfectly (laughs) chef's kiss it started out check out our chewy ad go ahead (laughs) it started out with a few goats here and there nearby farmers reporting their animals missing or finding them dead and drained of their blood before long adult humans began disappearing as well and reports of strange deformed creatures roaming the woods at the end of grunch road we're multiplying every day. Oh, okay. Getting real, real quick. Some say the albino dwarf people sold their souls for a beast to protect them from the onlookers who treated them as freaks, while others claim the beasts are the offspring of the albinos and dwarfs, deformed from many years of inbreeding and mixing abnormalities, driven insane from the cruel treatment they endured from society. I think they conjured something. Conjured some evil evil shit. Legends say you will first see a stray goat along the side of the road, appearing to be injured or in need of assistance. It isn't until you leave the safety of your vehicle to help the animal that the grunch comes out to drain you of your blood and feast upon your flesh. The next time you see a stray goat wandering the side of the road, just remember there may be a grunch nearby waiting, ready to have its taste. Now I'm terrified of New Orleans. (laughs) I'm curious. It's something that's very interesting to me. But this is, I mean, this is one of so many urban legends. I mean, I would say New Orleans is like the hot spot. I'd say Louisiana is like a cultural hot spot of the United oh, States. Absolutely. And they just have, I mean, it probably, I mean, even this this article says Louisiana uh, might just be the most haunted region in the United States and has more urban, ledger, urban legends, monsters, and haunted places than you could even imagine. Oh, yeah. Well, you've got, you know, all these different subcultures within one state you know it's i think that's what i love about it so much though is you talk to somebody in nolens you don't know what you're gonna get you know it could be somebody out from the bayou it could be some executive who works downtown new orleans it could just be you know a tourist popping in god i miss that city so much no. i i like to think that they conjured this blood-sucking beast to protect them and he's not a demon. He's not evil. He is just protecting his his flock, for lack of a better term. Yeah, that to me makes the most logical sense. And this, again, has to do with the cultural aspect of New Orleans where voodoo mm-hmm. and sort of rituals are have been embedded in the culture for so long. Not even in an evil way or a dark magic sort of way, just the concept of voodoo. As a religion, yes, as as a faith amongst the the Creole uh, people and communities, so the idea that they have maybe summoned something that might not have been specifically what they expected, but yeah. still protected them—that's what you get. 
I love it. It's a great story. We've got kind of an urban legend vibe going on in this episode. Uh, and I'll tell you why when I get to my story and the listener story as well. So we may Ooh. just call this one urban legends. There you go. I love that. There's there's never enough. I feel like we don't there's talk not. enough of urban legends. And that, that's what I grew up on, though. Like, I think. Yeah. I grew up more on, like, the urban legends, the Bloody Mary and Mothman and jersey devil than i did ghosts and spiritual stuff yeah yeah absolutely okay let's throw this over to a chewy commercial i highly recommend the sonic egg venus almost never barks anymore just putting that out there when she does she looks at me like god mom turn that thing off that hurts my ears anyway it's humane It's, (laughs) it's humane it sounds like something sold in a different kind of store it literally does. Maybe we can get them for a sponsor. Let's find out. Okay, you may have heard or may not have heard, but our newest podcast partner is freaking Chewy, guys. I know, we, we talk about our pets all the time, and we kind of love our pets a little too much, just like you guys. But we're always looking for ways to save money in these current financial times. Chewy's it. Type in tinyurl.com slash OFChewy. You help support the podcast. I personally get both our dog's food and our dog's treats and a couple other things sent on a monthly basis directly from Chewy with their subscription service. So please check it out. Please help us out by subscribing to all of your Chewy goods at tinyurl.com slash OF Chewy. My dogs will thank you. Extra, extra, read all about it. Okay, so that was lame. But we have a new merch store, my friends. Head on over to tpublic.com slash stores slash oddity dash files. Guys, We've got everything there. We're still adding more. The prices are much more cost-effective there, and this store is so easy to navigate. What are you waiting for? Head on over to tpublic.com slash stores slash oddity dash files. Get your merch on. Need more scares in your life? Well, duh. We've got you. Just head over to tinyurl.com slash get shutter and you'll automatically get seven days free of this all horror, all the time streaming network. From their endless selection of the best in horror, the original programming and exclusive content to their flexible membership plans. Shutter is exactly what you need. Plans start at under five bucks a month And yes, you can cancel at any time. I mean, what are you waiting for? tinyurl.com slash get shutter. tinyurl.com slash get shutter. G-E-T-S-H-U-D-D-E-R. Let's get scared. Not every haunting is driven by evil. It happens even in the most mundane of places down the block, around the corner, and sometimes in our own homes. Paranormal Crossroad is here to bridge the gap between the living and the dead. Are you living through a haunting at home or at work? Do you need answers? Contact the all-female paranormal research team today. Go to pxroad.com to get the answers you seek. Are you a coffee addict like me? Well, check out Bones Coffee Company. Coffee isn't just a drink that wakes you up in the morning, it's an experience. When you brew a pot of Bones Coffee Company coffee, they want you to have the best experience you've ever had. They only roast carefully selected beans to perfection in small batches to ensure that you get the freshest coffee delivered straight to your door. The care given to each of those small batches is evidenced through the rich, full-bodied, and exceptionally smooth taste you'll get out of every cup of Bones Coffee Company you drink. 
You guys, this is amazing. First and foremost, I love coffee. I love wine and I love bourbon, but I love coffee. So check it out and help out the podcast. Go to tinyurl.com slash Bones Coffee. Get your coffee fix and help out your favorite podcast. We appreciate you. Find out why people are calling Paranormal Crossroads a great spiritual journey or groundbreaking, heartfelt, funny. This new series is absolutely amazing. Just head to tinyurl.com slash paranormal X road. That's the letter X. This all female paranormal team, including myself, Kitsy Duncan, KJ, and spirit medium. Tiffany Rice. Go where no paranormal show has gone before. We head to people's homes and places of work where they're dealing with a haunting of any kind. Nine times out of ten, there's happy tears, there's laughter. This is the paranormal show you've been waiting for. We're adding new episodes monthly, and this is a show you don't want to miss. No screaming, no demons, all the love, light, peace, and positivity, and bringing family members closure. Head on over to tinyurl.com slash paranormalxroad. That's X as in the letter X. <laughs> and we're back. So I have a story about urban legends, which I've already completely spoiled. But, you know, it is October 1st. It is the beginning of spooky season for all the squares out there. And if you're a square just turning in for the turning in for the first time, welcome. We appreciate you being here. Um, and I will stop calling you a square from here on out. You're officially a weirdo if you're listening to this podcast. You're a circle now, baby. Yes. So urban <laughs> legends are those unsubstained stories of terror that allow us to use our imaginations to fill in increasingly horrifying details with each retelling. Um, While the internet has made the distribution of them much easier, humans have been terrifying one another with spooky tales for centuries. Psychologists believe we respond to these tales because we have a morbid fascination with the disgusting. Yes, please. We also can't help but enjoy gossip. I'm not so much. Put those two things together and it makes for an irresistible mix. Here are a few urban legends that have all ended up being true. Many oh. of these stories have been covered on the podcast already. And then I wrote, just do a quick Google search for oddity files and the legend and you should be able to find it. And no, you can't. So just <laughs> sorry. What? I'll let you know which ones I've done the stories on and which ones I haven't. I can't tell you where to listen to them, though. So first one is Cropsy. Cropsy oh. was Andre Rand, and he was put on trial and convicted for a child abduction. Rand, it turned out, may have been connected to a rash of child disappearances in the 1970s. He once worked at Willowbrook, a defunct mental institution, and like I said, I literally cannot find the episode by Googling it, but I know I did this story at some point in the last 146 episodes. Next urban legend that turns out to be true, the body under the bed in the hotel motel holiday inn. Well, not specifically, no brand names. In 2010, <laughs> guests at a budget lodge in Memphis were horrified to to discover that they had been sleeping above the body of Sonny Millbrook, a missing person. Fabric softener had been stuffed in the ceiling trial, tiles to try and mask the smell. At least three other occupants had also rented the room since Millbrook's disappearance. A court eventually convicted Millbrook's boyfriend, Lakeith Moody, of the crime. Oh, and just to backtrack real quick, there's a fantastic documentary type thing On called Cropsy. Yeah. Just called Cropsy. It's fantastic. I highly recommend it. Good, good, good. Uh, next up, we have the main hermit. 
For 27 years, Christopher Knight lived alone in the woods, keeping tabs on the hikers, canoeists, and other temporary residents of the grounds. When he was confronted by a game warden in 2013, Knight admitted he was responsible for an average of around 40 robberies a year. Despite the likely protestations of family and friends who dismissed tales of a hermit lurking somewhere in the woods, his identification proved that someone had been watching and waiting for nearly three decades. Wow. Next up, The Legend of the Bunny Man. This story likely spawned from the very real presence of a roving madman in the area in October 1970. Uh, 1970 is actually when people lost their minds, I believe. All kinds of weird murder shit happened then. Yeah, it did. A couple reported seeing a man dressed in a white suit wearing bunny ears who began yelling at them when they were on private property. To punctuate his point, he threw a hatchet at their windscreen, a.k.a. um, What's it called in America? Uh, Glass. Screen door? Glass? Glass on the front of your car. Windshield. Windshield? Windshield. It said windscreen, Uh, but it's windshield. uh, Oh, okay. Apparently shattering it, there was, and there's actually documented photos of the hatchet on the floor in in these people's car. So it it, it did actually happen. And there was a second sighting of Bunny Man two weeks later when a security guard spotted a hatchet-wielding man chipping away at a porch railing. Police tried unsuccessfully to locate the man. While he didn't disembowel anyone, he thought of an adult the 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 thought of an adult wielding both a hatchet and a pair of rabbit ears somehow manages to just be disturbing. And again, I know I did this story. I just don't know which fucking episode and the Google was no fucking help. Okay, the all too real corpse decoration. I believe Clayton had done this very early on. Notorious outlaw Elmer McCurdy took on a second life following his death. In 1911, the embalmed corpse of McCurdy became a grim sideshow attraction throughout Texas, with people eager to see the famed criminal on display in funeral parlors and carnivals. Though it's hard to document all of his travels, he eventually wound up in Long Beach, California, where someone apparently mistook him for a prop. McCurdy was hung in a funhouse at the New Pike Amusement Park. His humanity discovered only after a crew member on the $6 million man, which was filming there in 1976, tried to adjust him, dislodging his very real arm. The following year, his corpse was put to proper rest. Jeez, isn't that, I, I feel like, and this could be wrong, and I know you probably don't have it in front of you, but I feel like that same thing in Texas, like the sideshow he was originally at, they also had like, the alligator boy which was like half of an embalmed human and half of an embalmed alligator and they had it on display as well because i remember it being texas and i remember it being around the same time period yeah yeah for sure i would you know i kind of wish i could have gone through a sideshow back in the day just like go back in time for a second just kind of go through one just to kind because they sound so fucking magical they really truly do Okay, and then kids, I had no idea there was any fact in this one. And I'm going to dive in a little deeper because Candyman the movie was just re-released this year. And that story goes a little something like this. Released in 1992 and reimagined this year, Candyman, based on a story told by Clive Barker, remains a potent horror tale of the revenge undertaken by a black artist, played by Tony Todd in the original, I'm not sure about the other one, murdered in the 1890s for having a relationship with a white woman. While it's not likely you'll be able to invoke him by saying his name several times in a mirror, the pants-soiling idea of having a killer burst through a medicine cabinet is actually fact-based. And here's that 1987 story from ChicagoReader.com. Oh, damn. Ruthie Mae McCoy was terrified. 
Someone has threatened my life, she gasped to the woman next to her. They were riding in a van that was taking them home from an outpatient psychiatric center at Mount Sinai Hospital. The woman urged McCoy to relate her fears to a staff member at the clinic, but McCoy said she didn't want to get anyone else involved. McCoy, 52 at the time, went through much of her life afraid. She was hounded by paranoia. Her fears weren't soothed by her dwelling place the last four years. A high-rise building in a near Southside Chicago housing known at the time as Cabrini Green. Authority project known as ABLA, where her van dropped her off this Wednesday afternoon, April 22nd, 1987. She lived in one of the seven 15-story brown Y-shaped towers named the Grace Abbott Homes, the most dangerous buildings in the ABLA. A, ca- a claustrophobe? Oh, a claustrophobe. <laughs> a claustrophobe in a closet might be more at ease than a paranoid <laughs> like McCoy in an Abbott high-rise. The buildings feature dark, malfunctioning elevators, pitch black stairwells, and cocaine and PCP addicts on nearly every floor. Fiends really are lurking in the shadows here, in these towers. You're crazy if you are not always looking over your shoulder. McCoy lived at the end of a corridor on the 11th floor of the the building that now we can say used to be at 1440 West 13th Street. At a quarter to nine, This April evening, Chicago police got a 911 call from McCoy. I'm a resident at, I just gave you the address, so I won't do it again. And some people next door are totally tearing this down. You know, the frantic voice began. What are they doing, ma'am? Asked the dispatcher. McCoy's response is unintelligible on tape, but apparently the dispatcher caught her gist. They want to break in, he asked. Yeah, they throwed the cabinet down, the dispatcher said. From where? Ms. McCoy said, I'm in the projects. I'm on the other side. You can reach. You can reach my bathroom. They want to come in through the bathroom. The dispatcher says, all right, ma'am. And at what address? She gives the address again. And she says, the elevator is working. Dispatcher repeats the address and asks, what, what's her name? Ruth responds, Ruth McCoy. Dispatcher says, all right, I'll send you the police. The dispatcher wasn't certain what McCoy had been trying to report. What could she have meant by they throwed the cabinet down and they want to come through the bathroom? Nevertheless, he closed the phone call in order to send a beat car on its way. He assigned a 12th district car to answer a disturbance with a neighbor complaint at the address. That he didn't report... The call as a break-in attempt may explain why police hadn't yet arrived at McCoy's door at 9.02 when another 911 call came in concerning apartment 1109. This one was from a woman who said she had been walking through the hallway and heard gunshots from the apartment. At 9.04, another neighbor called to report gunshots and hollering from 11.09. Two more police cars headed to the scene. Four officers apparently arrived at McCoy's door around 10 minutes after 9. They pounded on the door, announced their presence, called for McCoy, no answer. They asked the dispatcher to call McCoy on her phone. We think somebody may be in there holding somebody. An officer told the dispatcher over the radio. The officers listened to the phone ring and ring. There were two more officers downstairs, and they drove over to the project office a block away on Loomis to get the key to to 11.09, but the key didn't fit in McCoy's lock. This left the officers wondering what to do. Should they break into the apartment? Talking with the neighbors didn't help much. Nobody answered across the hall. The apartment next door was vacant, and the neighbors in the apartment down the hall said no. They hadn't heard or seen a thing. Other neighbors on the floor said an elderly woman lived in 1109. They say that she always answers her door, one of the officers told the dispatcher in a hesitant voice, and there's no answer. So I don't know if maybe she answered to the wrong person or what. The officers contacted the project office again, but the janitor there said he had no other key for 1109. And so at 9.48 p.m., the police left McCoy's building and the projects. 
The following evening, police got a call from Deborah Lasley, an 11th floor neighbor of McCoy's. Lasley said McCoy normally stopped by her apartment on her way out of the building every morning and upon her return in the afternoon. But this day, she hadn't stopped by at all. Lasley had seen police at McCoy's door the night before and was worried. About a half dozen police officers and four or five CHA security guards arrived on the scene. Their knocks and calls for McCoy went unanswered. Most of the police officer officers thought they ought to break down the door, neighbors say, but the security guards discouraged them. One of them raised the possibility of the tenant suing if the police broke in. And if you bust down the door, the security guards told the police officers, you will have to get someone up here to secure it. The police officers shrugged and left again. The next day, Lasley notified the project office of her concerns. At about 1 p.m., a project official arrived at McCoy's door with a carpenter who drilled through the lock. They found McCoy in the bedroom, lying on her side in a pool of blood. A hand over her chest, one shoe on, one shoe off, papers, magazines, and coins were strewn around her on the floor. When police later turned McCoy slightly, the faint smell of rotting flesh rose through the apartment. She had been shot four times, probably with a gun of medium caliber. The medical examiner who performed her autopsy, Dr. Yupal Choi, told the person who wrote this story, not me, um, one bullet passed through her left shoulder, another passed through her left thigh, a third entered the right side of her abdomen, pierced the liver, and exited the left side of the abdomen. The fourth and final bullet passed through her right upper arm, then entered her chest and severed her pulmonary vein. Choi listed the cause of death as internal bleeding. McCoy probably didn't die immediately, Choi said, but because of the injury to the pulmonary vein, a principal vessel in the lung, he doubts she lasted long. She probably wouldn't have survived even if she had been taken quickly to a hospital, he says. She was pronounced dead at the Cook County Hospital at 4.35 p.m. Friday, April 24th, 1987. And the article goes on in great detail as to the state of the projects at the time and the unfair treatment of the residents. And it's a sad, sad, tragic story. Even sadder, while Cabrini-Green no longer exists, the treatment of those in public housing across the country certainly hasn't gotten any better. Some would even say it's gotten worse. So what had actually happened was the way the apartments were set up in Cabrini-Green was um, each bathroom um, in apartments adjacent to, uh, next to each other, they would they would butt up against each other. And if you took the medicine cabinet out of the wall, you could get to the pipes. And if the people on the other side of the wall took their medicine cabinet out as well, you could get into the next apartment. Which is fucking ridiculous, um, but that's how there's some truth to the Candyman story. That's crazy. There's there were some girls on TikTok months and months and months ago who had like heard or felt some draft in their bathroom, and so they removed the mirror, mm-hmm. and there was just a hole in the wall, and they climbed in through the hole and it basically led to like another apartment. So it was that same sort of scenario where it was like bathroom hole in the wall, hole in the wall leads to like family room of an apartment. And then you go to that apartment and there's bathroom hole in the wall behind the mirror. And that leads to another apartment. It's crazy. Uh, uh, hell no. (laughs) Yeah. Pass hard pass, hard pass. So there you have it, kids. That is um, some urban legends with a little bit of truth mixed in, some of them more than others. I didn't get into, you know, like mice coming out of the toilet and that kind of stuff, because that is not what we are here for. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like the thing about urban legends is what makes them what makes them sell so easily to people is that if you start asking people who have been in these towns for a long period of time, they can break the urban legend down and tell you that there's truth to it. So maybe the Jersey Devil isn't necessarily true, but if there's one specific local legend about a night that it was revealed, everything up to the point of the reveal of the creature was something that actually happened. Oh, wow. And that makes you just kind of 
flip the switch and connect the dots and be like, well, the Jersey Devil must be real because everything happened was real. That yeah. Night or so. And somebody just finally just put a name on it. Yeah. Um, so I, I wonder if Clive was aware of this story and if that's had something to do with why he wrote this story. It's interesting that the original Candyman movie happened in Cabrini Green and mm-hmm. came through that. So I have a feeling he may or may oh, not yeah. have. Yeah, he, he was on to it. For sure. Um, I met him once briefly. What a magical man. What a magical man. Um, let's throw, let's keep this urban legend shit flying through your earbuds, people. We have a, a listener story, but I still need yours. I have not bitched at y'all for a couple episodes. Send in those listener stories ASAP, oddityfilescrew at gmail.com. Because, as y'all know, this is our favorite part of the, the show. Because we don't have to work for it. <laughs> It's true. Just get to just get to listen and read. Exactly. I mean, I guess this is what we do for the rest of the show. But. True, true. Okay, the title of this one is Paranormal Pachyderms in Wisconsin. My latest local to me legend, the Paranormal Pachyderms of Baraboo, Wisconsin, pronounced Baraboo. This is going to be a doozy, and that story goes a little something like this. A little background is needed first before digging into this wild little legend. Baraboo was the home of the wintering grounds. Oh, you did this story. I was going to say Baraboo sounds really familiar. Well, you talked about the one in Chicago, though, right? Yeah. Okay, well, let's continue. Shows that I don't read these stories until I read these stories. Okay. Okay, so it was home of the wintering grounds at the Ringling Brothers Circus. So the residents back in the day definitely knew what an elephant looked like, as you can probably see them having a drink from the Baraboo River or hear them trumpeting in the distance. For decades, people would claim to see apparitions of elephants in the middle of the street. What? Elephants is like one of my top favorite animals. The bigger the animal, the more I love them. I don't know why. Um, In the middle of the street, in someone's backyard, or hanging out at some undeveloped land, most of the time they would disappear just as soon as they appeared. However, one incredibly insane story about the ghostly giants came from a local newspaper article published in 1930. It seems a woman moved into a sparse boarding house on 8th Street, obviously with no knowledge of the fuckery that was soon to come. (laughs) (laughs) At first, within days of moving in, she would be awakened in the middle of the night by strange creaking and faint sounds of wafting through the home. The next few nights were met with an explosion of activity, namely giant thumps that would rattle her house. This led to the neighbors inquiring the new tenant about the giant draft horse in the backyard, but she didn't own any horse. But those horses, perhaps phantom horses, would be the least of her problems, as was noted in the coming days. The next night, sounds that resembled someone striking the house with a sledgehammer were reported, which was followed by the discovery of the old worn-out barn at the back of the property. It was flattened out by some unseen force, leaving behind just a pile of boards you know what that barn would would go for these days? Jeez. Uh, especially this year. Mm-hmm. That's when the police were called and several showed up and boy, were they treated with some weird and wild shit. All hell broke loose and suddenly windows broke, dishes broke, and the entire house creaked and groaned. The police said it felt like an earthquake or a bulldozer throwing its weight into the house. Suddenly, the home smelled of large dirty animals the cops were convinced that this was some sort of sinister prank being played so they got the hell out of the house only to find that their buick sedan was now missing they looked around eventually finding it askew on a bank up the hill a block away with evidence of chain wrapped tires it was winter in wisconsin gotta have those chains being dragged the entire way this set forth the unusual frantic fear of unexplained 
with claims of wild beasts, mothers not letting their kids play outside, and one kid claiming to see a beast that kind of looked like a black dog that was as big as a house. When the police decided to dig deeper into this incident, they found that the tenant of this home was a widow of a bull wrangler, a.k.a. elephant trainer, with the circus. And that barn that was turned into a pile of rubble, the wood used to build it came from an old circus barn that housed 24 performing elephants. So to those involved, they believed that perhaps this was one of the deceased elephants putting on one more show. That ends this tale. My wing fin... I can't do it when somebody else writes it. My wingman for this story was the phenomenal Chad Lewis and his book, Paranormal Wisconsin Dells and Baraboo. While I won't give a timetable for the next local legend I find, I do promise to dig around and find another one. I'd love to see someone top this story and hope that someone will drop one like it to you guys. Again, thanks for all you do. Stay weird. Mr. Corey McCann, ladies and gentlemen. Classic. That was amazing. It could be the elephants were attached to the barn. I feel like the bull wrangler crossed over. He met up with his old pals that he used to wrangle, and they're all just hanging out with his wife. I'm going to go with that. That's my story. And I'm sticking to it. Yes. Thank you so much, Corey. That was amazing. What are your thoughts, Nic- Nicolas? I mean, I think you th- I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, I, there's just a certain like logic to it. I feel. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more with what you said. But it does remind me a lot of the story. Probably it was like a month ago now that it was very similar to the elephants and yeah. The top of the hill and all that stuff. So it sounds like all there were, a lot of that happened. Sounds like there's a period of time where like those things just occurred. Like, all that the was circus normal. hauntings. Yeah, I love yeah. it. I love it. Well, guys, we appreciate you hanging out with us another time. We're gonna do this again, same bat time, same bat station. Check out all our stuff and all our things. Flow page slash oddity files. Get my book. Just do it. Just do it. Fucking do it. When you do. Review it at Amazon. It's I'd Rather Talk to Dead People. Huge shout out to our Patreon producers, Doug Mulden-Locke, Donald Blanchflower, and Ryan Hoke. I'm Kitsy Duncan. Where does the new cool? And I'm Nick Floyd. Ghost on. Yes! Now go fucking pack, Nick. <laughs> Never! Thanks for listening. Head to flow.page slash oddityfiles for all things oddity files. Links to our merch, links to our sponsors, links to all the things oddity files. We appreciate your continued support. We appreciate you spreading the word. Please don't forget to leave a review on wherever you're listening. Again, all things oddity files at flow.page slash oddity files. Theme music provided by James Grice, edited by me. Take care. We'll see you next time. No, you won't. You'll hear us next time. Bye.